ladies, gentlemen, and otherwise, and welcome to a very special edition of the Daily Brain Bleed. My name is Jeff. My name's Tucker. And yes, we have two very special guests with us, uh, guests who have previously appeared on this podcast, but are now appearing together for the very first time, one Chris McElroy and Corey Schmalsley. Now, Chris and Corey, I'm led to believe that this is the first time you've ever met each other or even have been aware of each other's existence. This is correct, right? Correct. Yeah, we met five minutes ago in the parking lot. Yeah. That's good. That's good. I love bringing people together mm-hmm. for this no. for this project of ours. No. No, we were, we were pen pals uh, sending each other handwritten tear-stained letters through the mail um, and right. then eventually came together. Corey catfished me. <laughs> Corey has an absolute banger of a fake hinge profile and it's my burner it's not even supposed to be real but it just worked it fooled me i only use a what's that what's that what's that secret dating app that they only have for like hollywood elites there's farmers meet i'm I'm thinking about like raya something called raya there's a reason why you don't know i think it's great okay fair enough (laughs) Yeah, no, there's a reason why I specifically do not know. I um Christian Mingle. <laughs> Farmers only. Farmers only. That's what it's I was like trying to It's like a reverse psychology kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Ashley Madison. Oh Ooh. wait. Yikes. I mean, that was like literally all men and three bots. So, you know. Well, yeah, but I mean that's I mean the 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 point of the reference was how many lives have we destroyed? Uh, has our podcast destroyed? Yeah, we leaked the Ashley Madison. Were you, no, oh, you weren't on yet when I I broke that hard hitting journalism about the Ashley Madison scandal. You're right. You're right. Um, Jeff's podcast. Um, his editing abilities are so good. He accidentally um edited this uh sound by into the past and linked it to several <laughs> news outlets. And this was the start of the leak. Okay. Um, so as you might have guessed, this is an entertainment and film discussion podcast um, where, you know, it must be said, you know, as we have been heralding, I feel like as harbingers for weeks now about the Oscars, they are tonight. So if you are listening to this podcast, it has happened and we are all either dead or dying. Um, because our takes were so bad that we just couldn't come back from it. But no, uh, Chris and Corey, again, by the time everyone is listening to this, uh, we'll have known the answers. But just for kicks and giggles, do you have any kind of like final predictions or thoughts or just anything you want to get off your chest about Oscar season generally at this, the most unusual time for this sort of thing? Uh, If I I were to do like a, a bold prediction... I I think a lot of people are expecting Nomadland to win Best Picture. Uh, my bold yep. prediction is Minari, uh, and that's okay. about that's about all I know about the Oscars. It has been a slow year. There was a pandemic, mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I didn't really watch most of the movies that have been nominated. Yeah, I for Best Picture I may have only seen Nomadland, so mm-hmm. that is that's my pick. Not so much, I just, that's the one that I think, like, deep down, my gut tells me that's going to win. But, like, Chris, I also think there's a chance that Minari uh, steals it, but if I were a betting man, I would bet on uh, Nomadland. Also, just to be clear, I saw neither of them. Um, I'm just <laughs> basing this on we, politics and insider information yeah, 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 yeah. that I right. have. We saw, 
we saw Nomadland for the pod. And to be clear, I really liked the film. Um, and I think it could a- absolutely be a competitor on its own merits. But I get the sense that uh, Nomadland is a lock, if not for best picture, then at least best director, because you have like the entire Disney machine behind this movie so that a few months down the line or even tonight, if they get to drop a surprise trailer, they get to advertise uh, Marvel's The Eternals as from Ca- Academy Award winner Chloe Jaw, you know, so that's I, I think that's part of the reason why a lot of the uh, hype has settled on this uh, movie in particular. That's my uh, gut instinct for this sort of thing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I mean, like, we've we've spoken briefly, especially last week on this podcast, about how arbitrary and meaningless a lot of this stuff is. So, you know, the, the idea that it can be bought and sold, a la, you know, like a French poodle, is, <laughs> you know, it's not as unsettling, maybe, as it once was when you thought that the thing had merit. So... You know, we'll 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 see what winds up happening. I have not seen Minari, but everyone I know that has seen it has spoken very, very, very highly of it. So that that will be an interesting shakeout there. Um, any I, other any other dark horse predictions from anybody? I would love uh, Thomas Vinterberg to win Best Director for uh, another round. I don't know if you guys mm-hmm. have seen that one. Um, uh, it's the nope. one with um. It's the one with uh. Mads Mikkelsen. Yeah, right? yeah, it's Mads Mikkelsen. It's a Danish film. He was like, uh, Vinterberg was Lars von Trier's partner back in the day in the '90s when they were coming up mm. with the Dogma uh, style of filmmaking. But if you haven't seen it, check it out. If for no other reason than spoiler alert, there is an incredible dance scene in the like final moments. Um, okay. And as I'm also hoping that this is the year that La La Land finally gets the win for Best Picture, um, <laughs> I will I will hold out hope that that uh, dance scene carries it through. Um, can I stop the podcast briefly? Do you are are you seriously like a La La Land stan, or is that like I, uh, I love La La Land? It, it's okay. fu- it's okay. funny. I just got okay. around to seeing Moonlight recently, and you know what? I really liked it. I really liked it. <laughs> Um, so, when did that film come out? It came out. What? It came out like what? Twenty sixteen, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. The year La La Land was awarded best picture. And awarded, but then, but then they discovered that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. Um. And rest assured, you guys, that um, uh, after the results come in, now that we've established that we record this on the weekend of the Oscars, the weekend beforehand, we're absolutely going to let you guys like correctly call things. Uh, Monday or Tuesday, and send in that footage so you can sound like <laughs> geniuses. Well, I'm calling everything beforehand. Like you know, Vitterberg, you should you should watch out for that. Yeah, I'm so thrilled that insert film title won Best Picture. Okay. I think that's so I'm exciting just, for director. Everything we just said. Um, I'm just literally gonna bleep every title <laughs> for the last 15 minutes, so we can't be yeah. wrong. Yeah, yeah. So well, and also I, we don't want to spoil it. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's true that's true yeah as voting members of the academy we really shouldn't be giving uh you know <laughs> g- giving this type of insider info out um so yeah i mean I, th- I think that's enough jawing about the statues of the little golden men that people are going to hold up um okay. you know it, it is what it is and i will definitely be watching it and not reading a recap the morning after because i'm trash that said um we actually watched true art here within the last few days, that film, of course, being Mortal Wombat. <laughs> it's it's a film about a wombat that just really beats some ass. Um, 
is that not what we all did i did i get the wrong film off of uh what like popcornandcoke.com or whatever the <laughs> i thought it was interesting that you had us watch uh, a film from 1996 mortal Kombat, um 1996 edition <laughs> <laughs> I didn't totally see the timeliness or the relevance, but uh, I'm happy to discuss. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I thought the movie was pretty good. It was okay. It was like 6, 6.5 out of 10, maybe, you know, for what it was trying to do. And, you know, to clarify, in case we buried the lead beyond any point of recognition, we did watch the recent release Mortal Kombat film. Um, And, yeah, that's pretty much where I came out with it as well. Probably like a, I'd give it a 6. Yeah, that's where I'm at. I may be a little harsher. I gave it uh, on my anonymous letterboxed account. I savaged <laughs> it with a with a four out of ten. Ooh, I I gave it a four and a half out of ten. Oh, okay. I, I got to be honest. Uh, as I said last time I was on the pod, I love most movies, and I just I couldn't uh, I couldn't like this one. Just just didn't do it for me. I can see where some of the shortcomings might have um, might have been a little more obnoxious depending on your watch scenario. Um, answer me this. Did you all watch the film together or alone? Separate. Separate. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So me and Tucker and my wife all sat down and watched it and basically had a had a good chuckle of it, like because we yeah. were just kind of talking over half of it. We um, MST3K'd it. Yeah, the whole, the yeah. And I could see it being a, a fun movie with friends. Yeah, Unf for sure. Unfortunately, neither Chris nor I had friends to share that with, so we were on our own. Yeah, I suffered it in silence by myself. I, uh, you know, my, my wife is legally not allowed to leave. Um, <laughs> I got the government involved. So, you know, she kind of has to put up with it. And Tucker is a business partner. So in a way, this really wasn't a movie with friends as much as like a board meeting. <laughs> but, um, you know, Pretty it was it was meeting. yeah, it was it was enjoyable enough to like sit and be like, oh, that's not how that works. Lol. And, you know, kind of have fun with it in that way. But um, I can see how watching it alone, it would have been a lot more of a schlog. I'm also curious. Are either of you two fans of the video games? I've definitely played it in the past and I have only the most rudimentary knowledge of the lore going into this. Like I, I could tell you on site like, oh, that's Sub-Zero and that's like whoever. But otherwise, you know, I, I'm not hugely into it. Yeah, I'm I'm the same way. I played it like versus friends so I could recognize some of the characters. But in terms of like backstory and lore and everything like that, I was basically canon blind going into the experience. So, yeah, because. I think I'm somebody who knows that the game exists, knows that there are characters named Sub-Zero, Scorpion, and that they rip spines out of people's necks. Yep. But beyond that, I've never played it. I was more of a Street Fighter or even like Tekken player. Mm. Not competitively. Uh, don't look up any of my competitive <laughs> performances. Um, but I think I'm curious as to somebody who's a diehard fan of those characters if the movie was what they wanted it to be. Well, it's interesting in telling that all of the scores we gave, you know, were like six, 6.5, four, 4.5. It was, it, none of us seemed to feel particularly strongly about the film in any given direction. No one's giving it like a 10 or a two or anything like that. And that I think is basically fair. It is a movie that 
given what we know about the franchise going into it, it's it's just what it is. It's a it's a uh, a relatively B movie kind of fair sort of fighting thing. So you know, yeah. I mean, I. I want to at least, you know, shortlist, because it is a fairly short list, if I'm honest, um, give some credit where credit is due on a few things that I think the film did particularly well. Um, I thought the way that, so like in the initial scene, when we, we watch the purse, uh, when like they're first invading Sub-Zero is and like, you know, killing the bloodline and all that stuff. When they kill the guy uh, on the other side of the screen, I was like, oh no, they're just going to PG-13 the whole thing. We're not going to watch anybody get gratuitously murdered and boy have I not missed the mark that hard at the beginning of the film (laughs) in a long time because they did not pull any punches they absolutely eviscerated some humans in some very graphic ways that I feel like would have made your original game designers proud and then additionally our uh, Irish friend or I believe he was Irish I'm not sure the actor is Australian yeah Kano his character was the like just literally acting circles around everybody else on the cast. Absolutely brilliant job from him. He, he's going to need some like back pills after carrying I, that whole movie. I, on his I thought he was the worst part <laughs> yeah. of the movie. No, yeah. no yeah. way. I, I, I no gotta, way. I got to agree with, I, just, I very rarely agree with I Chris. I felt but. like it was out of place in a, he was completely tongue in cheek humor in a much more serious and and I guess Dark that, movie. that that's I think the point is like maybe it wasn't so much that I personally didn't find his acting to be very good, but it's be, not even beyond that. Yeah, yeah. I think okay, it's, maybe it's not his act. I think he just totally for me did not fit in the movie. He was you 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 know you were getting your Marvel one liners in from him, and everybody else was in like this battle for intergalactic life or death. You know. Yeah, I mean, I guess for me, because I found all of the other characters so completely and utterly flat and lifeless, the first person that made me smile and or chuckle automatically became the complete protagonist. And for me, it was more so that he was in line with the tone of the film <laughs> and everybody else was just hopelessly overacting yeah. it and trying you're, you're to be way wrong. too serious. You're not wrong. The, um, there was a lot of overacting. That, that would The corn and overacting would be my biggest complaint uh, after the... The first scene, to me, was incredible and made me want to watch the rest of the movie. The first scene is amazing. And had the rest of the movie had that energy and tone, I would have loved it. Um, but I felt like it was just all over the place tonally after that. And I think yeah, I, w- I think you, the two reasons ahead. why I think maybe that is, is in the first scene, I think the actor, and I don't know his name... But he's been in a lot of things I love, including Lost. But the actor who played uh, Scorpion is the best actor in the film, I think, by far, just objectively speaking. Um, and so I think that, for me, worked. Also, the fight designers and like the, the cinematographer and, and everything, what they, what they were doing with Sub-Zero, I think they were like, let's make a Sub-Zero movie. So all of the fighting scenes with Sub-Zero, I was really impressed by the opening scene I thought was great, and then I thought that some of the the actual fighting and dynamics of the like the final fight in the cage match, whatever MMA gym it was, um, I thought that there were some really impressive things with that. Some of the other fighting that we saw left me kind of a little bored and not really paying attention. Yeah. Like, 
Go ahead. Well, I was just gonna say, some like putting aside the fights, some of the kills were pretty like uh, entertaining, just for how sheerly over the top that they were. Uh, before we started recording, we mentioned the uh, winged lady who got absolutely uh, bisected uh, during this, which was hey, they, they went for like nobody can say that they did not go for it, and uh, I do vaguely remember once seeing uh, the. Uh, the 1995 version of Mortal Kombat that you referenced earlier, Corey. And, uh, you know, it, it just never felt to the extent that I was at all invested in the Mortal Kombat brand. It never really felt like a Mortal Kombat movie to me because this is, this is something that's always just been about the violence, right? It's all, it's in the same way that all the, all the, all the fast and the furious movies are about family. The, this is about, um, watching someone's spine get ripped out and you know this delivered yeah it, it definitely did yeah no no doubt the the cinematography and the choreography the fight choreography was incredible uh if you like action this fills the box for sure the the thing that i will say is because you know it, our american group of heroes like Jax and uh sonya and our main character who Cole. yeah sure who was literally so little of a character i do not know his name um you know i i cannot emphasize enough how much i don't feel like they actually had any form of character to them whatsoever whereas like sub zero or the two guys that we meet at the temple with raiden like they at least have like a little fleshing to them whatsoever and it just you know I, I would have been okay if you have all, all of the Americans on the same page, like doing the whole, like, wait, what the heck are you talking about? Like kind of playing straight man to the whole series that I think could have been an interesting movie, but like the way that they tried to do it so seriously, uh, just killed a lot of stuff for me. Cause like we, we talked a lot about how there was a lot of exposition that happened specifically right when, uh, Cole finds the underground base with Sona, Sonia, and they're talking there's like, a conspiracy theory corkboard trope, mm -hmm. which is always wonderful. Yeah, she's I, she's Pepe Silvia-ing her way <laughs> into the Mortal Kombat universe. You know, I, I was really impressed about how much of the broad strokes of this whole thing she was able to jam into like 20 seconds of dialogue. Uh and and I love that with I on principle I do have a soft spot for like, you know, science fiction or fantasy franchises that have just way 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 more of a mythos than most of the fans like ever engaging with it will ever actually grapple with so it, it's cool when they try to like nod to that sort of thing i just wish it had been like a whole thing because it just if i don't know it, it it feels like the movie wanted several different things and then just didn't do any of them i yeah. think i think what i was the most upset by with the movie was and I guess it's the premise of the video games, but like there's this the tournament where it's these ten or so dimensions that are coming together, the, the realms, and they reference the tournament in the movie and in the promotion, promo, the promotional material, they reference uh, this tournament, and then it never happens. I, I, I was saying I was telling Chris this earlier, but it was like, I want to see what what I think the best version of this movie is. Is something that takes like the story beats maybe of something like Karate Kid, but makes it hyper violent like James Gunn's Super. Like take Super what superhero what Super did for superheroes and make this about like fighting movies and like 
the and martial arts and you do something really really cool and add like these big world building genre elements that's what i wanted this movie to be and you don't even see the tournament which bummed me out yeah i definitely like so first of all the film feels a lot longer than it is for sure it feels it's full screen time and then some but i remember getting to the part where they're gearing up for like this fight and they're splitting up into their little teams and everything and it dawned on me in that moment we're not going to get there it's this this is it and it's just like that's not the payoff i signed on for mm-hmm. Like we've been talking about the the big tournament the whole time, and so yeah, I I absolutely feel that like that we missed that as a whole. Is there? I, I think th- uh, you go ahead, Tucker. No, no, you go ahead. I was gonna say, do you think there's like a planned sequel where that does happen? Is there like a future? I I was reading in one of the trade magazines, uh, the lead actor who played Cole is apparently signed up for five sequels. Yeah, they have options on him for five sequels. Yikes. Oh my God. What sort of weird it, deal with the devil? Uh, Warner brothers. <laughs> do, do they have to be yeah, like yeah. planning? Yeah. Uh, like you mentioned, Jeff, kind of a fast and furious sort of <laughs> takeoff for this franchise where it's just schlock that gets schlockier and schlockier, but people eat it up more and more. And see, like at any other point in time that, this is like we would like cast be cascading a studio for like the height of folly, like putting all of your eggs in one basket, planning a huge franchise before even the f- first movie got off the ground. Because I don't think in a normal point of time, this movie would have gotten nearly as much hype as it did. But it came out as one of the first big movies, aside from another Warner Brothers joint, um, Godzilla versus Kong, one of the first big movies rushed out into theaters and streaming after COVID is like mostly over in some parts of the country. It, it's the first big wave of new movies in about a year now. And people have been starved for a big screen content for the longest time. And I was reading like Variety or whatever. And for, you know, with all the asterisks and caveats you want to put on it, it's actually doing surprisingly well at the box office right now. So... I guess in this instance, the gamble paid off. I would not be surprised if we're going to get like a sequel here in like a year and a half or something. And and let me be clear. If we can expect a, a B movie level schlock fest for several movies of Mortal Kombat type stuff with this general direction, I'm not pissed about it. I'm fine with that. I just hope that they steer into the skid of making it tropey and enjoyable in that way. It ain't going to be art, fellas. You're just, I'm sorry. I'm not Martin Scorsese. Don't at me. But after seeing that, if that's your balls to the wall, artistic Mortal Kombat, I don't want it. Give me the Guardians of the Galaxy approach where I can't take any of it seriously, even though that really bothers me about that film. It's fine. Um, yeah. I, I would certainly watch a sequel if it was released in the same manner on hbo max same day yeah exactly uh hint hint warner brothers i do like their current distribution i think it's good in a time where people can't go to the movies i'm glad we can talk about a big movie you know now Mm -hmm. now granted us getting the distribution in that way has cost blood and livelihoods of lots of people along the way but uh yeah, it'll be interesting to see where Chris Nolan's movie heads next movie heads heads. But uh, 
I guess that's a separate conversation. We can have that conversation. I don't know. This is I, kind of free form. I mean, it's all related. I like you said. I would throw Mortal Kombat in there with uh, Godzilla versus Kong and Wonder Woman eighty four, uh, just because there's never been movies as big as those movies to be released first thing streaming. You know. Yeah, I was just gonna say. To be fair, this is, and I know you aren't talking about quality necessarily, but. Uh, this movie is much better than Wonder Woman 1984. Wow. This movie, <laughs> like, if that's a hot take, then 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 roast me at the stake. I I'm gonna go for it. I I don't think I would believe that this is going to be like the full future of you know the movie distribution until Disney does it with one of their big flagships. Yeah. I think Warner Brothers and something like Warner Brothers or even Universal, they need to get these movies out and watch because they spend so much money and they don't have like these guaranteed hits. So they need to try to build these franchises. It will be really telling when it's, you know, if we still find ourselves in this situation and Disney decides to release um, a Marvel film or even a Star Wars film. Correct me if I'm wrong. Correct me if I'm wrong, but... Didn't they literally say that that would be the case when they um, uh, delayed Black Widow from May to June or July or whatever the case? Like, it was going to be a simultaneous release in theaters and um, on their Disney Plus premiere access, whatever they're calling it. I, I have not heard that. I just heard they pushed it back. But there's, it- also, there's also a difference in what Disney's done, like what they did with Mulan. That's not mm. quite the same thing as like HBO Max or Disney Plus's premiere model where you're still paying the $20 fee on top of your <laughs> subscription fees. That's what Disney mm-hmm. I don't think Disney is ever going to release one of their movies like this. You're going to have Which to Which is a war crime by the way. <laughs> That's literally a war crime. I don't care who you are. <laughs> you can you can have a studio exec talk to me about the dollars and cents for that all day every day until hell freezes over. It violates the Geneva Convention. You can't do it. <laughs> well, the, it's the thing morally is like, unright. And, and for a long time, blockbusters have been this way, but the studios don't make their money from the movie. They make it from the T-shirts and the action figures. And so for a studio like WB, uh, who doesn't make as much money from the action figures because they don't own the rights, they just have the movies, uh, it, it makes it even more bold that they're releasing the movies these ways. Whereas with Disney, I would think they would just want to get these movies out there so they can sell a Black Widow action figure already. You know, no mm-hmm. no kid is asking for Black Widow action figures for Christmas yet because they haven't seen Black Widow. And so I don't understand why Disney's not doing it this way. Disney produces very expensive commercials. Yeah, no, right. for real. Yeah, no, um... And that's what I I am led to believe that Disney Plus essentially is. It's the most beautiful and synergistic uh, data mining operation in the world because (laughs) where you have Netflix, right? Netflix is literally just a streaming service, right? Occasionally, if there's a movie that they want to push like an award season uh, campaign for, they'll release it in like two theaters so they can say it's eligible. But their bread and butter and everything that they do is streaming. Whereas Disney, 
with Disney Plus now, they're in the streaming game, but they're also in the theme park game. They're also in the um, cruise game. They're also in the network television game. So every little uh, click you make when you go on Disney Plus is ultimately fed into one algorithm, and now they know, oh, a little bit more about you, consumer number 5138 infinity going on forever, right? So that's how they're... uh, you, as you said before, they're selling action figures, but I think that almost like undersells the degree to which it's an incredibly sophisticated operation. And I do agree with you. Um, it's probably one that could be sped up and, you know, be even more effective if they just got on with um, releasing the thing. But I have to imi- imagine that the thing holding everything up is like, you know, stipulations and union contracts with writers and actors and directors saying, okay, there has to be X sort of release. But obviously you would know more about this. Either of you would know more about this than I do. You're listening to Tucker Disney Red Pill on the air in real time. Am I going to get two? Am I going to get two Mickey Mouse themed bullets in the back of my head, uh, Tucker? To take that up even to a different notch, that's that's Disney's business model. And then you've got the companies like Apple and Amazon who will never ever see a profit of any sort from any of their films or TV. This it's entirely a vanity project for them. Mm-hmm. And a company like Apple, both of them, they're over a trillion dollar valuation, I, be- I believe at this point, or they're pretty close to it. They could acquire Disney, no sweat. They could eat mm-hmm. every part of Disney and it would be less than maybe 15% of their total net worth. Mm-hmm. So I think, I think we're seeing more and more as these massive companies are, especially on the tech side, are getting into it. And it's not totally new. I mean, if you look at NBC or Universal, General Electric, as 30 Rock loved to remind us, owned NBC at the time. Uh, Mm -hmm. Seagram's, the producer of fine Canadian whiskey and ginger ale, they also previously owned NBC. Like Companies, you have these billion dollar, trillion dollar companies now that are in the entertainment business just for fun. Mm -hmm. Well, it's good advertising. Yeah. It's free advertising. You, you can spend just as much on advertising. If you're Amazon, you could spend, you know, how what are they spending, like $500 million on advertising? Or you could spend $500 million making a Lord of the Rings TV the, series. The first season of Lord of the Rings is $500 million. Yeah, and that's your, that's your advertising for Amazon. Everybody's going to be talking about it. Plus, you can sell some books on Amazon. By, by Mr. Tolkien. Yeah. And I'm sure I'm sure Amazon will profit largely from that. I I feel like to quote True Detective, I feel like you're you're opening my veins and mainlining the secret truths of the universe <laughs> to me right now. And I see it all before me as this giant interconnected web and I'm not going to lie. I really want to close Pandora's box and be an ignorant little peasant and just watch my movies. The giant interconnected web that you're talking about is like the secret media universe for the trailer for the next Space Jam, where now they're all going to go and watch <laughs> and watch the basketball tournament. Um, I, I think the rule of thumb is the schlockier it is, the more money they'll make from action figures. Uh, mm-hmm. But then the reverse is like. <laughs> like I mean, I like. I was just gonna say I don't know. I mean, my Francis McDormand Nomadland action figures coming in the <laughs> yeah. mail. Well, that's what <laughs> okay. I, that's what I was about okay. to say. I was like, the opposite okay. of that is like, just preaching like, 
lame art films, you know? <laughs> like, like <laughs> I, not I think you're hate, revealing your biases. Not to hate too much. I love the schlock. <laughs> again, uh, but again, I, I hate the schlock at the same time. Again, you're undervaluing the Roma collector set of action figures <laughs> that I got where I just positioned that <laughs> okay, in the poster. Okay, so let me, let me say this. I have a bunch of Rocky action figures. I love the Rocky movies. All six, Like Rocky seven, and Bullwinkle? Like the moose? Yes, yeah, of course. You mean, <laughs> no. you mean best picture winner? <laughs> best, Rocky? That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Art house film, Rocky, written and starring Sylvester Stallone, who directed as well, I believe. Did uh, he, not, he didn't he direct, didn't direct the, first the first one. one. He just yeah. wrote the first one. But, like, that was a good combination of schlock and art. That's what, that's what I love. Uh, Schlart, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and he's made seven of them now. And I've bought the action figure that goes with each movie. There's eight, if you can count the Creed movies. Oh, there's, there's two, two Creed's Creed. now, yeah. Both of them great movies. Same as He's the not going to be movie. in the next one, though, which honestly is I'm, I'm fine with because at a certain point, you, you can't have Sly around as a crutch for yeah. that franchise forever. And but honestly, Mike, You gotta Michael get in there, Rock! <laughs> you gotta get in there! <laughs> he'll, he'll, That's my contribution. He'll disappear for one movie, but he'll make an appearance in the, ne- in the fourth creed i'm sure there will be a good by rocky you can count on they'll, it. they'll wheel him out yeah uh i think michael b jordan certainly holds his own he's great in those movies mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. just as good as sly was it probably honestly better he's a better actor there's, Sly's playing himself you know there is a video circulating online right now of uh Michael B. Jordan and Amanda Seyfried as teenagers starring in, uh, I believe it's The Young and the Restless, or one of the daytime soaps. Mm-hmm. And it's like, who would have guessed that that's where you do it? I mean, you, you go from The Wire to The Young and the Restless to my all-time favorite, Friday Night Lights, and now Superstardom. Mm-hmm. There you go. He, what you what go. else was he? He was in uh, Fantastic Four, uh, which, fan, fan four <laughs> which almost yeah. derailed his career. Yeah, which is kind of sad. And that he it's he 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 almost died by Marvel, but then Marvel revived it with uh, uh, Black Panther. So you know, um, obviously that's the difference between Disney Marvel and Fox Marvel, which are now the same thing anyway. So <laughs> yes, you know, uh, uh, um, can we talk about Chris Evans in Fantastic Four? What about him? He was just real bad, real cringe. Well, that's the other Fantastic Four. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I know. I know. Oh, I'm not speaking dude, of the same film. I just realized both but, Michael B. Jordan and Chris Evans are both the Human Torch, and they both went mm-hmm. on to play separate characters within the Marvel universe. Yeah. The moral to the story being that, like, if you're turning down a Marvel contract anymore, that uh, what are you even doing? You're just a moron. I, I think the moral is if you can get cast as the the, the, the Human, Human Torch, Torch, your career will take off eventually, just not in that role. <laughs> it, it, it'll light a spark for your career yeah. for sure. Uh, <laughs> uh, oh. ah, ah. <laughs> um, yeah. Wow. So, uh, mortal Kombat. Uh, yeah. So let's talk about mortal. Kombat. Uh, so how, how are the action figure sales going for this one? I'm sure they're doing well. There's gotta be some I, cool toys. I'll literally Google it. I will Google. When, when did the last, uh, video game come out? Does it, does anybody uh, know? Pretty recently, right? They just rebooted it. Or they, they're like constantly... Yeah. So, okay, so here's my question. Uh, does WB, does, does Warner Media make any sort of money from video game sales I or would, action figures or 
t-shirt. I would think that they would have negotiated some kind of yeah. licensing deal. Actually, it's a very special thing here. Uh, my understanding is that uh, what you said is earlier is right in that with a lot of the stuff that um, they own the film rights for, it's like Harry Potter, where it's literally just the film rights and J.K. Rowling has the books, or it's like they negotiated with a legendary, you know, mm-hmm. their weird arrangement for Dune or um, Godzilla versus Kong. The two big exceptions here in their stable are the DC Universe. Warner Brothers literally owns DC Comics, so there have been rumors that maybe they're going to sell that as an asset. We'll, we'll see how that plays out. But they actually did at one point in time buy the, uh, I, I forget um, the name of Mortal Kombat's, uh, the the franchise's video game publisher, but they did buy uh, like that, so they do literally own. Which I think, which I think is why that there was so much of a push that they did, have been doing for the last few years to try to get oh. this movie off the ground, specifically because unlike the vast majority of hypothetical um, video game adaptations, like what with um, Illumination is trying to do with the Mario uh, franchise or what, what they actually successfully did with Sonic, the actual studio stands to gain from this having any effect at all. And uh, which now leads me to believe that it's inevitable that we're going to see an injustice film where they Mm. cross over DC and Mortal Kombat. I mean, these video games exist. I actually have played the injustice games. Um, and I, there are Mortal Kombat characters in those games. I never really understood that that was Mortal Kombat. I always knew it was DC characters and other characters from another <laughs> video game that yeah. I had no idea what it was. Um, yeah, it's Mortal Kombat. So I, I would know. bet money now that that's going to well, happen. A, a few points of clarification here. The most recent Mortal Kombat game came out in 2019. That is Mortal Kombat 11. And the uh, the studio that you were talking about, Tucker, was uh, Midway Games. Okay, was the original publisher in '92, who go. has since been acquired by Warner Brothers. So, yeah, just wanted to wanted to get my facts in there, so, my Mortal so Kombat really facts it's all by that AT&T. I just Googled. Yeah, it, it's interesting that in this in <laughs> the AT and T girl owns everything. Yeah, <laughs> it, it's interesting Literally. in this era in this era of like media acquisition where you have like telecoms buying studios, buying everything else. Uh, so you can have this like one unified, uh, blob complete, like vertical integration all the way down. It's interesting to me that we haven't seen more movement for studios or even their ultimate parent companies buying, uh, video game publishers. Like why hasn't, Disney, hypothetically, or even going up the rung a little bit more, Apple or Amazon, uh, made a bid for Nintendo. Why hasn't anyone tried to buy Activision? You know, that's uh, surprising to me. And again, I know less about the studio politics than probably you two. I, I wouldn't be surprised if it it's something that you see serious movement on in the next, you know, five, it, ten years. As It is a little surprising uh, to think about, but keep in mind, a lot of movies based on video games have not done very well. Uh, Mm -hmm. We're kind of entering a new era where they're starting to do better uh, because you had like Rampage with The Rock based on a video game. Um, The World of Warcraft movie that came out. Yeah, which Uh, which was was huge in China, by the way. Mm. Uh, Interesting. uh, But I do know that Sony is has opened a whole new division focusing on films based on their video games. And I think, I mean, I know Activision Blizzard has a huge, they have a big TV film team within the company. Riot Games, which I think is League of Legends. 
Yeah, Riot is League. Yeah, they have a they have a massive film and TV department. But like Sony is a good example because the Uncharted movies finally happening with Tom Holland as Nathan Drake, um, and they just announced somebody else big for that. Maybe Oscar Isaac or Pedro Pascal, somebody big. Um, and that movie's been in development for ten years, and it sounds like it's actually finally going to happen. So I think that. And that could be their attempt at a prestige play. We're also going to see it from the same boat from Naughty Dog. Uh, Craig Mazin, who did uh, Chernobyl, is writing mm-hmm. a, The Last of Us TV series for HBO, which is, mm-hmm. I believe, in production now. Um, so, and of course, Halo. Halo, I think, is going to be on, what, Paramount Plus? It's, is that it's the... jumped around so many. It was originally on Showtime. I think now it's going to be on Paramount Plus, yeah. I think the my understanding there is that like it was at being developed at Showtime, but Showtime is a division of CBS, like the CBS Corporation, which got merged with uh, Viacom. Mm-hmm. And now that it's one company, they're just putting it on the joint streaming service. But it is it is uh, mildly funny to me there that micro. It's funny to me that Microsoft, unlike all of the other big like uh, Silicon Valley conglomerates like Apple and Amazon and such has thus far at least resisted actually like meaningfully moving into film and television so that you could do a Halo adaptation, but literally anything else. It's interesting to me that they've been content with like video games, but that's the extent of their media production. Tucker, you're sleeping on Xbox Live in, I believe, 2009, had a TV division where they had oh. web series on the service, one of which was written by and starring Michael Sarah and Clark Duke uh, from Hot Tub Time Machine and The Office Season 9. So, uh, Okay. Wait, Michael Sarah was in... No, Cl- Clark office. Duke. Oh. Uh, he played- Give me yeah. Hot Tub Time Machine with Michael Sarah, though, because I would love that. Give me um, Hot Tub Time Machine with full penetration oh, no <laughs> i mean honestly hot tub time machine was a good flick i'll, I'll just okay. say it. i enjoyed it yeah, um, yeah i like hot tub time machine good movie uh it was good sci-fi comedy <laughs> i think if you do a time uh, time travel movie you should go comedy and uh not take it too seriously and they did and and have a good motley crew parody yes yeah um motley can Lou. i just say <laughs> <laughs> um god bless I really just want to go off on a bit about Hot Tub Time Machine right now, but (laughs) we're not going to do that because honestly, the parts of that movie that I really enjoyed are too blue or insensitive to really warrant long terms of discussion on this podcast. I do want to say really quick while we were talking about um, movie adaptations of video games, something that has existed in my brain for a really long time is the simple idea that video game fans are awful people. (laughs) I say that because I am a video game fan. I like a lot of different video games and admittedly, whenever anything about the video game happens in media or anywhere else, I get really pissed about it for no reason. Not enough to like bully people to get off social media or anything, but video game fans are, it's like, you know, the, the Reddit warrior star Wars people that bullied all of the actors off of social media. That is literally game fans like gamers with a capital G in air quotes, if you will. So, you know, for me, I think that it's like, you know, oh, well, if we create this series or if we start moving in this direction, we can get those fans. You don't want those fans <laughs> in, in plain language because they're not they're, like they're going to hate it no matter what. 
Yeah, exactly. You can't win. And then additionally, it's not like, you know, with book fans or something where it's like, you know, oh, well, you know, there's a certain expectation there, I guess, in terms of, you know, behavior, perhaps. Firstly, you're forgetting the fact that gamers are the most oppressed minority. So uh, (laughs) you need to check yourself. Uh, Secondly, I I wonder if game, do gamers care that much about like, um, adaptations and the thing is we've still not entered the hypothetical golden age of um, video game adaptations where they're as common as say comic book adaptations the, the reason I understand that um, comic book adaptations um, a lot of the fans of the source material get passionate about that I think on some level because they know that far 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 more people are going to watch say iron man film than will ever read an iron man comic book so to an extent the public perception of iron man the character lives and dies based on how the film does right whereas with um video games it, it we're, we're talking about like numbers for like actual people engage they they are legitimately it's an industry now that is as competitive like it is competitive with um the film industry in the sense that like a bunch of people are actually playing the games or whatever right i gotta stop you there uh the film industry is not even competitive with the video game industry the video game industry eclipses it monetarily user-wise like tenfold Okay, okay, but that, but that, but but then that that's part of my point, right? Which is that um, a uh, I guess I knew that there was like it was more you know successful than say comic books vis-a-vis films. I, I guess I didn't know the scale, but my point is it's like if if a Mortal Kombat movie like fails spectacularly it's not going to affect at all, you know, the games going forward or anything. Right. So there might be like a different dynamic. You see what I mean? Yeah. I, I agree, but I don't think that changes who gamers (laughs) again, capital G gamers are as people. And additionally, I think that games are a weird form of media in that a lot of very, very popular games aren't really about anything. Fortnite movie. Among Us movie. I know. I was going to mention, uh, like, I think... It, it, part- Angry Birds movie. <laughs> like uh, They did make an Angry Birds movie. Yeah, and it sucked. <laughs> okay, but th- you could do it if you wanted to. No, I mean, so I was going to mention, I think part of the reason we're getting so many more video game adaptations is because in the past, like, 20 or so years, a lot more video games have, like, actual storylines to them. It's not yeah. just, like, throwing birds at... <laughs> fortresses and stuff you know um, pong the movie <laughs> but in also in recent years at the same time while like hardcore games have better storylines uh you have way and way more mobile games like angry birds and flappy bird and and stuff stuff like that that what, they're deciding a lot of bird based ips <laughs> <laughs> coming out. I, I couldn't think of any other games uh uh but it's it's kind of interesting that some studios have decided to make movies with storylines based off of video games and others have tried to force a storyline into a video game such as angry birds or uh it's not really a video game but the emoji movie that kind of idea you know or in the case of mortal Kombat, you take a a, a film you take a property that at least nominally has a storyline oh there's a great tournament that everyone has to compete in and then you just don't do that there, there <laughs> yeah. is no tournament yeah. well, it'll, you take it'll the vague in, idea of mortal Kombat. in mortal Kombat 5 we'll get the tournament it'll happen <laughs> 
it's absolutely going to be Dragon Ball Z pacing, but in like <laughs> a massive like <laughs> film franchise. It's just, I mean, Dragon Ball Z, Peter Jackson. What's the what's the difference really? Um, it's just slow, just real <laughs> slow. Yeah, see, we're avant garde, and people who think that we're just sitting around rambling uh, can't really engage with us on the level that we're trying to do. We're really, um, yeah, no, we are. Uh, very, I don't know what kind of like pop culture reference <laughs> there, to make. Operating theme. There's a red thread that connects everything, and only the uh, most astute podcast listener will be able to pick up on that. Well, Tucker, when when you were when you and Jeff were first inviting me on the show, you did pitch the show as being inspired by James Joyce's Ulysses. Um, <laughs> yes. And yes. and really following the stream of consciousness and allusions to Homer's Odyssey and the Iliad. So I I think that's a uh, you really you really delivered on that premise. The each of piece of is each piece of media is like a new island that you know Odysseus has to uh, uh, contend with before ultimately making its way home. Yeah, no. So, um, anything more to say about Mortal Kombat as such? Recommend? Don't recommend? thoughts and eh, check it out check watch the first scene and then imagine what you think would happen after that or and i also think like you guys suggested uh it is good for a certain viewing scenario if you're with friends and you need a party movie or something to watch it's a good movie to throw popcorn at uh when it's on your tv there's not a whole lot of uh fun stuff out there right now new at least new fun stuff uh, it's the only movie out, so <laughs> there, there's that. I mean, I was hoping that the Marvel shows that are being released on Disney Plus would end up being a little bit more fun than they are, but uh, that might be my hot take, that uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier was I, just okay at the end of I the haven't year, even that's all bothered to check all it out. Say. Yeah. No spoilers, all I'll say. That might be another episode. We, we've kind of talked about the show, but it's whatever. Uh, yeah. Well, uh, thanks I, for having me on, guys. Uh, absolutely. Again, anytime. You thanks for having me on, too, not just Chris. No, we're only thankful to have had Chris on. Get out of here, Corey. Uh, <laughs> I don't know how this dynamic always happens. I apologize, Corey. Well, we're always excited to just rant and not have anything meaningful to add to the discourse. Well, that's kind of the brand. So yes. uh, you're, you're, you're fitting right in. Um. I th- I think that's that's a that's a, a a very healthy leader of blood that we have bled that w- that we've that we've gone through today. So I I I believe we will we will quit the hemorrhaging at this point. Uh thank you so much for putting up with us up to this point. If you are still listening, um respond to my Instagram story with an emoji when I post about this podcast episode. <laughs> <laughs> have a good week. Thank you so much uh Corey and Chris. Thank you. We'll see you around. Always a player. Bye. Bye.